Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Good morning, Mr. Waterman. <laughs> Where'd you come up with that? <laughs> Our discussion. Okay. Good morning, Zeb. How you, how you doing today? Uh, I'm great. Hey, listen, man, what's cooking in your world? Well, you know, before we start, I want to just give a uh, kind of a hello and a thank you to Michael, Terry, Steve, Don, Joshua, Dave, Jimmy, Andrew. These guys uh, have... Uh, sent me comments uh, on the web page. They've gone to the web page and listened to the stories, and I appreciate their comments. And oh, really? uh, so, yeah, we're on iTunes, you know, for about the last six months, and yeah. on the internet for about the last two and a half years. And so, I appreciate those people. And uh, you know, again, if they want to make comments, just go to the web page, uh, history dot com, and, and there's a place where you can make comments about the shows. And I've had them suggest uh, topics and straighten me out on a few uh, things too so anyway those are just some of the people that have uh uh written comments and i just want to thank you there you go that's nice of you to say that so anyway okay so now what part of history are we going to jump into today is it going to be the mountain men is it going to be the cattle rustlers is it going to be somebody with a stagecoach what's happening okay well you hit it on the last one when you think of the old west okay there's images that come to your mind you know a cowboy an indian a mountain man the oregon trail but i bet a wagon, a stagecoach, is one of the things that undoubtedly is Old West. Oh, yeah. And as you picture that, you picture a four, six-horse, maybe even an eight-horse team yeah. pulling a wagon. Yeah, but there's a lot of things that were fallacies about that, too. Yeah. So, and you picture also a guy sitting up on top with the reins in his hands, cowboy hat, leaning forward, uh, you know, getting those horses going. The guy sitting next to him with a shotgun, mm-hmm. ready to shoot anybody that oh, comes out. yeah. The Old West, Wells Fargo. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to disrupt that uh, image just a little bit. Okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, you know, there was a lot of characters in the Old West that became well-known, and uh, this story, I'm going to stick my neck out. I'm going to bet nobody has heard of this person. Okay, I'll, I'll But every see. time I do that, somebody will write and say, hey, we we know about that person. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, the stories of some were embellished in these dime novels and newspaper reports, which uh, created heroes and almost mythical figures who are now legends. Mm-hmm. Now, Mary Fields. Never heard of her. Also known as Black Mary and <laughs> Stagecoach Mary. <laughs> okay. And, well, and... She never gained any fame outside of the region of Cascade, which is a farming and ranching community uh, on the prairie of central Montana. Familiar with that at all? Uh, I know where Cascade, Montana is. Okay, that's where we're talking. Yeah, yeah. Must be kind of a small town, I'm guessing. So, Mary Fields, that's our hero for today. Good old Mary. Mary was not a Westerner by birth. She was born a slave on a plantation in Hickman County, Tennessee, in 1832, almost 100 years ago, uh, during the presidency of Andy Jackson. Wait a minute, she was born in 1832? That's more than 100 years ago. Oh, that is, isn't it? Two, yeah. Whoops. Boy, I tell you, you're, you're one sharp cookie. <laughs> okay. That's why I've got you here to... <laughs> but anyway, she, was, she grew up an orphan. 
never received a formal education, lived by her wits and her strength. She never married, had no children. She, okay, never mind. Keep All right, going. here we go. <laughs> so now as a child, she was a playmate and a friend of the plantation owner's daughter. Yeah. Her name was Dolly, who became a Catholic nun in Toledo, Ohio. That's not Dolly Parton. No. Now, after Mary became a free woman, after the Emancipation Proclamation, issued, of course, by President Abraham Lincoln in 1863, she went to Toledo to see her childhood friend, who had actually changed her name to Mother Amadeus. Mm-hmm. Okay, because <laughs> that's what they did. So the nun, Mother Amadeus, her friend, found a job for Mary at a place called the Ursuline Catholic Convent. Oh, my. All right? Okay. Now... There was a strong bond between Mary and Mother Amadeus, who was actually 14 years younger than Black Mary, or Stagecoach Mary. Now, at the convent, Mary found security, a family, a sense of belonging. She was already a grown woman, and actually kind of big. She stood six feet tall, weighed about 200 pounds. She was strong as an ox, good worker, but she had learned a few things... uh, not so good. She learned how to cuss uh-huh. and was known to have a short temper. Uh-huh. Mary was also a hard drinker. She had learned to be tough, and she knew how to fight. She smoked a pipe and homemade cigars that reportedly smelled awful. One of those petite little gals. Yeah. Now, I'm going to show you a picture here, Zeb. Oh, boy. And you Hold tell, on just a you minute. You tell me what you think. Oh, hand me that book. My goodness. Just a minute. I got to see this. I mean, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! You don't want to tangle with Mary. <laughs> Holy cow! I mean, boy, she um, yes, she could. Yeah, I mean, she's standing there with a gun in wow. her hands and a dog at her feet, and yeah, yeah. So, well, this might be. There really isn't too much feminine about her. Not a lot. We'll get into that a okay, little more. Okay, hang on. All right, we'll take a break. Woo! Boy, we better save the day with talking to Zach and the crew over at Minicasha Sales, thirteen twenty-one East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport. Zach and the whole crew over there to serve you. We have been blessed by having them on this program for a long, long time, and they've got all your lumber packages. Zach was on the program with us on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and right now. Think about energy saving with the western windows and upgrade those windows and save on your heating and cooling bills. I'm telling you, Zach and the rest of the outfit can help you. And, oh, by the way, too, they've got all the tartar farm and ranch gates and panels ready for you. All you have to do is stop in and see them today. Easy to find, very nice to work with. Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley. And now back to, you sure that person's a woman? (laughs) Uh, Here's Dr. History with uh, Black Mary. Black Mary, Stagecoach Mary. Okay, so here we are. Okay. She's working at the uh, at the uh, convent with her good friend, Mother Amadeus. Now, at this time, she's actually about 52 years old. Really? Yeah, because she was born in 1832. So, okay. Uh, but <clears throat> Mother Amadeus and the other sisters apparently tolerated Mary Phil's lifestyle, but in 1884, Mother Amadeus and five other sisters were sent to Montana at the request of Jesuits to establish mission, mission schools on the Cheyenne, Crow, Blackfoot, and Gross Venture uh, Cinnabon Reservation in central and eastern Montana. Ah, okay. Okay. Now, and again, this is near present-day Cascade, Montana. Right. But Mother Amadeus became ill with pneumonia while working to establish schools at a place called St. Peter's Mission, which was founded in 1845. Now, Father Damiani at St. Peter's became very concerned about her health 
and notified the mother superior at the Ursuline convent in Toledo. She came west and brought Mary with her. So now Mary's in Montana, mm-hmm. and she nursed Mother Amadeus back to health. Oh, good for her. Kept her from dying. Yep. So Mother Amadeus arranged for Mary to work at St. Peter's Mission, and she was freighting supplies, working in the laundry, chopping wood, raising chickens, and doing all sorts of odd jobs, which is pretty typical for you know a pioneer woman. But wherever she went, Mary was armed with at least one pistol. Really? She supposedly... In a convent? Yeah, well, <laughs> you never can tell who's yeah. going to visit, but okay. she supposedly received $9 a month in wages. Now, one story tells of another hired hand at the mission who received only $7 a month. Well, one day in 1894, the hired hand supposedly confronted Mary and asked her why she was worth more money than he was. For two bucks. For two bucks. Yeah. He also complained to the bishop and made complaints in public about what he thought was an injustice. Mm-hmm. She's getting more than he was. I see. Well, one day Mary saw the dissatisfied hired hand cleaning an outhouse at the mission. Oh, this could get nasty. <laughs> well, she decided to shoot him and dump his body into the outhouse. Really? Yeah, she, you know, just she saw him there. In well, a convent? Well, maybe outside. I oh, don't know. Okay. okay. But anyway, so she pulled up her gun. She fired. She missed. The man fired back, and both emptied their revolvers. Mary was not hit, but the hired man was hit in the posterior part of his body. Oh. When one, actually, when one of her bullets bounced off the mission stone wall. So it was a ricochet shot that got him in the... Uh, uh, in Derriere. The, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, other ho- holes, uh, bullet holes, uh, uh, put bi- holes in the bishop's laundry, which hung on a nearby clothesline. Oh, they were shooting up the place. Oh, they, yeah, and really good shots, Yeah, right? not really. So, anyway, the bishop got a little mad about this. Well, can you yeah. imagine that? So, you know, one of his guys was shot, and his underwear was full of holes. <laughs> so the bishop decided it was time for Mary and her short temper to leave. Now, he also did not like her cussing and her drinking, nor did he believe she set a good example for the Indian children being schooled at the mission. At the convent. At the convent. Yep. <laughs> and I can kind of see his point. Oh, yeah. Yes, so, yes. anyway, the bishop told Mar- Mother Amadeus to send Mary away from the mission. Well, she did, but she quietly financed the opening of a cafe in the town of Cascade. Okay. So she opened up a little cafe. And she was going to serve food. Yeah. Ah. But Mary Fields could not make a profit because she would feed the hungry whether they could pay or not, and the business failed. Well, she was a good old girl. She was. She had a big heart, you know. Anyway, and a six-shooter and a a rifle. But Mother Amadeus then asked the government to give Mary Fields the mail route that served the mission. So, in 1895, now she's about 60-something, she was hired as the U.S. mail coach driver for the Cascade County region. She drove a stagecoach? A 17-mile route between Cascade and what they called St. Peter's Mission. Okay. So she reportedly was the first black person hired by the Postal Service in America to carry the U.S. mail. Holy cow. So a first Are we going to have a stamp named after her? You know, we really should. Yeah. Uh, she was a brave lady. She'll shoot you going to the outhouse. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, for eight years, she drove the mail coach pulled by her mule, one mule, named Moses. Moses. 
Moses the mule. <laughs> he parted the water. Okay. Well, now, according to most accounts, she never missed a day on the job. She dressed in a man's hat and coat and carried a shotgun. She traversed the route in good and bad weather, often smoking a big old cigar. Everyone knew her and gave her the name Stagecoach Mary. Now, at age 70, she retired from the post office. 70 years old. 70 years old. So, I think she lived that long because of her smoking and drinking. Because of a great pension, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, here we are. It's 1903. Uh, She was 71. Mary Fields decided to open her own laundry business in Cascade. Now, tradition has it that everyone in town respected her and paid her bill, all except one man. Oh, here we go. One day, the man picked up his laundry, but did not pay. I see. Okay, later in the day, she found the man drinking in a local saloon. Cascade saloons were for men only, but the mayor of Cascade had given Mary Fields permission to patronize the saloons in the town. (laughs) As big as she is, who's going to tell her no? Yeah, I'm thinking uh, that mayor was very insightful. Smart man. Yeah, so when she saw the customer who failed to pay his bill standing at the bar, she walked over to him, knocked him flat with one punch. She then told everyone in the bar his laundry bill was paid. I see. (laughs) With one good, solid punch. So, anyway, we get to 1912. Her laundry burned down. Now, wait a minute. 1912, she's got to be close to 80. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow. In 1903, she was 71. So, 1912, she's, what, about 84? Oh, my goodness sakes. But her laundry burned down. Her neighbors and friends actually pitched in. They rebuilt it for her. Now, about that time, she became friends with a young boy whose father owned a ranch outside of Helena. Helena. The boy, born in Helena, have you been to Montana? In 1901, and later became the well-known Hollywood actor Gary Cooper. No, so she knew Gary Cooper. No kidding. Yeah, holy cow! And he he remembered her. In fact, in later years, he spoke and wrote fondly of Stagecoach Mary. after she had passed away, so they had become friends at some oh, point. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, Mary Fields' death came on December 5th, 1914, in Cascade. She was buried in Hillside Cemetery, located on a hill above St. Peter's Mission, where she had gained the reputation of being a strong woman who beat the odds on the frontier. And she beat everybody she, else, too. And she beat whoever got in her way. But, you know, here's, a, again, I if somebody's heard of this lady, I, I want you to Get on my webpage and tell me, because uh, and maybe you know more than I do about this lady. Uh, uh, but I, uh, kind of a fascinating story. You know, you were talking about stagecoaches, though. And Deanne, could you come in the office for just a minute? I'd appreciate it. Um, I'm going to have her grab something to show you while we're on the air, and you can discuss it. You talk about stagecoaches. Have you ever been on on? And ridden a stagecoach. I never have. All right. Uh, Deanne, honey, would you grab that picture right there of that Wells Fargo stagecoach down on the bottom? Right there at the bottom, right hand, up on the wall, Deanne, right over there. Yeah, grab that. Hand that to Dr. History. Um, I've had this story on the air before in Oklahoma City. Uh, about uh, 10 years ago, I was asked to ride uh, the Binion stage coming into the Oklahoma City Myriad Center, or not the Myriad Center, the uh, Coliseum. And 
And I'm going to tell you something. If you've never been on top of a stagecoach going at full gallop, you have not lived. And you might not live much longer. <laughs> well, you know, just looking at this picture, I've got to tell people out there, I see six matched, uh, pure black, amazing-looking horses. Yeah. Just uh, a matched set of six horses and a really very well-constructed, uh, beautiful uh, redone stagecoach. Yeah, it that is. That would be great. It was, but you know, uh, I had no idea what Scott was going to do, the driver, and uh, I got on that stage way out and back in a holding warm-up area, and going into the Coliseum, it only had about, honestly, a three-inch clearance on the hubs, on the wheel, on each side, and he came in at a dead run pulling that stagecoach. Now, he goes in at a uh, angle to go to one end of the Coliseum, I'm going to try to paint this picture for you, and then gets right down at a certain location and cranks the wheel, uh, the stage and the horses to the left, and honestly, we were teetering on the two wheels. Meanwhile, at that time, yours truly was hanging, if you notice, I got a <laughs> microphone in my hand hanging onto the top of that stagecoach, and I've got a video to prove all this that they shot from the AQHA, and I have never felt like at any second... I was going to just topple off that stagecoach, either to hit the turf or go underneath the stage or the horses. You know, Zeb, you look a little scared in this picture. A little scared, man. I was I was frightened to death. You got a death grip on that. Oh, I'm telling you, I don't know how in the world the shotgun driver ever managed to stay up there. It's really quite a ride. But, you know, the stagecoach drivers were excuse me, uh, considered heroes, so to speak, in the Old West. Yeah. I mean, these guys were treated well, and if you were Wells Fargo or any of these people, you want a stagecoach driver that's going to get that stage through no matter what the weather. We were talking to Ray Bagby about this, and there's nobody that knows more about stagecoaches than Ray Bagby. He's built the new Concord stage that he's got out at his place. And the misnomer or the misconception, I should say, that Hollywood uh, has for many, many years about the the galloping horses pulling the stagecoach that didn't happen they basically hardly ever went out of a walk into a jog because that was a lot of weight over a long distance and you weren't going to gallop those horses well you know uh just out here, not very far from us, from uh, the city of Rocks over to Oakley, uh, I've read the story of a young man who rode on the wa- on the stagecoach, and when the snow got too deep, the horses would stop. Yeah. And he would get out and tromp down the snow around the, the legs of the horses, and when it got tromped down enough, the horses would... I think they said that they actually laid down while he tromped this oh my snow, and when the snow was tromped down, the horses would get up, and they'd take off and go as far as they could again, and uh, they would meet halfway, the stagecoach coming from Oakley to the City of Rocks. They would trade passengers and freight. That stagecoach would head back to the City of Rocks. The Oakley one would head back to Oakley. Mm. So, And I think that happened a lot in the Old West, that stagecoaches may not have gone from here to there. They may have gone halfway. And then met the um, the coming stakes the other direction, and then just turned back. I can just honestly tell you that travel in the old days via stagecoach had to be in the summertime absolutely ridiculous. 
ridiculously uncomfortable with the dust and everything else. And in the wintertime, yeah. how they did you stay warm? They weren't heated. No, no. They, <laughs> they didn't have any creature comfort, I'll tell you that. Well, and even some of the bigger stages, you know, had quite a few people in there. I think as nine. many as 12. No, nine nine uh, is normally what Ray said they would seat. But can you imagine uh, three against the walls on each side and then three in the middle? Or maybe they could cram more in, depending on the weight. Yeah. But my goodness, jostling and being thrown around in there oh my uncomfortable I, I think the best place would be to be up on the up on the driver's seat maybe yeah, i don't know about that <laughs> i've been there i've been there maybe it's better not to see what's coming oh my it's scary well you know they have those races up at uh uh in calgary uh, the chuck oh, no, wagon. there's the chuck, chuck wagon. wagon. Yeah, yeah, chuck wagon. I've chuck always wagon. wanted to go watch that. Yep. Uh, chuck wagon. But I can tell you firsthand, I think of all the things I've done in my life, that for the 10 minutes that I was on that stage, the longest 10 <laughs> minutes I've ever spent, let me tell you. Oh, I'd love to try it, though. <laughs> oh, my. Hey, what are we going to talk about next week? That's a great question. That's why I asked. And I'll know about next Monday night. So we learned all about Black Mary. Yeah, stagecoach Mary, Black Mary. Uh, oh, my goodness. Lived to be an old, you know, pretty elderly lady. and Yeah. Pretty tough. Well, when you're going to the auto, she'll shoot you. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. We appreciate it.